the Lord's given me this message, and I really think it's going to bless you. You know, uh, I had trouble, you know, just actually putting it together. Uh, you wouldn't believe for the last week and a week and a half or two, just trying to put these two messages together. The obstacles that I ran into, the challenges that I ran into, uh, it's just unbelievable. But I know that we are the overcomers. And if we will persevere, no matter what the enemy is trying to bring against us, I know that we can overcome because we are overcomers. We are more than overcomers. The Bible says we have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the words of our testimony. So I stand up here tonight declaring that I am an overcomer and I will persevere in spite of what the enemy tries to do to me. And it may not, you may not come out like it normally does, but it will come out. And I know that every time the Lord wants to lift us to another level and you're included when he wants to do something new in your life and do some, uh, bring something new into your life, lift you to another level or introduce something into your life, the enemy is going to do his best to keep you from it. Amen. And he's going to try to discourage you and dishearten you. But you can't, you can't give in to that. You have to persevere because victory is always on the other side. If you don't give in, victory is always there waiting for you. Are you hearing me? The title to my message tonight is Believers Are Not Beggars. Amen. We are not beggars. Amen. You know, I heard a pastor say once that he asked the Lord how out of desperation. He said, oh, Lord, when will I ever live what I believe? And he said that the Lord spoke and told him, he said, you are living what you believe. He said, you just don't believe what you think you believe. <laughs> we need to think about that. As a matter of fact, that calls for a sailor. Saints, just by agreeing that the scripture is true, but not actually believing that it's for you, is just mental assent. It's just something that's in your head. It's really not in, into your spirit. Mental assent is someone who is only led by their five senses. In other words, what they can see, smell, touch, feel, and hear. Your five senses. Because until you believe that you are the one that he's talking to, you talking to, it's not in you. You've got to believe that it's for you in order to get it in you. Are you hearing me? To get to the point of believing, first of all, you have to become single-eyed. You have to become single-minded. And you have to get focused and get rid of all your distractions. And that was a really difficult thing for me to do over the last week or two was to get rid of the physical distractions because most of them were so painful. And when you're in pain, it's, so, it's really hard to be able to focus on what you need to be focusing on. And, there, and it's a challenge for me also because there's so many things every day biting for my time trying to distract me from my work. But I'm sure that most of you have that same challenge because the enemy is always trying to distract you from your work. From God's work, from your own work, the work that he's given you to do. But saying to be single-minded means to realize that God is all there is and takes up all space in our lives. Matthew 6.22 says, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. As a matter of fact, what you believe about God and His Word will determine exactly what you get. What you believe about God will determine what you get. Have you ever given a thought about that? You know, there is supernatural, there is a supernatural element to your believing that will cause things to come to you. And you'll find in Romans 4, 17, one of these elements is to call those things to be not as though they are. As a matter of fact, let's talk about that for a minute. 
like I said, I, I'm still fighting. I'm fighting tonight to be here. But I'm here. And uh, I'm going to continue to persevere tonight, if y'all bear with me. Because I do believe that this is a word that the Lord has given me for you. And he's given me the strength and the, and the knowledge and the, whole, and the Holy Spirit has helped me to put it together. Because I, will, I do not have the knowledge, the wisdom or whatever to put anything together on my own. You have to block out that other voice that's always on your shoulders, always trying to distract you. And you have to continue to focus on that still small voice, the one that you can barely hear most of the time. Like I said, you're probably wondering, what I'm, you've already guessed what I'm going to be talking about tonight. One of the things I'm going to be talking about tonight is words. Words and your words. <laughs> of course, let me say this. If everyone here has everything they need, then this message is probably not for you. If everybody in here already has everything that you need, then you probably don't need this. However, as for me, I want to continue living a good life and receiving from the Lord. And for this to happen, I must heed. I must heed His Word. It says in 1 Peter 3.10 in the God Word translation, it says that people who want to live a full life and enjoy good days must keep their tongue from saying evil things and their lips from speaking deceitful things. And it says in 1 Peter 2, 2 in the God Word translation tells us to desire God's Word, pure Word, as newborn babies desire milk. He says, and then you will grow in your salvation. He said, certainly you have tasted that the Lord is good. You know, you hear people say that all the time, the Lord is good. And then somebody say all the time. But do we really mean it? Do we say so many things with our mouths that we don't even, out of habit, you know, that we don't even recognize what we're saying. We don't really get the depth of it. But God is good, not all the time, all the time. You know, I was thinking the other day, how so many people work so hard all their lives and are still broke, even though some of them are working more than one job. Some people work two jobs. I can remember back when I worked two jobs and took care of my children at the same time. And I, I didn't get anywhere. That was long before I, became, I got to know the, the Lord. But since I've known Him, ever since I've given my life to the Lord, I've never wanted for anything. Never wanted for anything. I don't care whether it was being healing from sickness or finances for my children or whatever. I have never gone lacking. And it says here, but they never seem to get ahead, always living short of their needs or always in lack. Most people don't even realize that they are the ones responsible for keeping them in lack with their words. Amen. It's your words. They do this by talking failure. You know, some people sit around, they talk failure, and they're talking about their inability to do something. They're always talking about hard times or, or how bad it is. And, ex and according to them, everything is going to hell in a handbasket. They, they never see anything good. It's always negative. They have nothing positive coming out of their mouth, no matter how much God blesses them. They never acknowledge that just getting up in the morning is a blessing, just being healthy. Being able to breathe is a blessing. And if you talk this way, brothers and sisters, you're going to eat the fruit. You're going to eat the fruit of it. The Bible says, according to uh, Proverbs 18, 21, that you will eat the fruit of your lips. And Job, you know, listen to this. You might, you might want to write this verse down. In Job 12, verse 11, in the Berean Bible says, 
does not the ear test words as the tongue tastes food? Think about that. I, the Amplified Version says, is it not the task of the ear to discriminate between wise and unwise words, just as the mouth distinguishes between desirable and undesirable food? You don't have any difficulty whatsoever when you go to eat. We went and had a buffet uh, today at lunch. We had no trouble whatsoever, you know, distinguishing what was good and, 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 and tasteful and what wasn't. No one ever has that. But do we don't think about that when we're listening to words. Words are to be filtered, and your first filters are your ears. God made your ears for testing. His words are, a, are an effective filter for the words of others. The people that's talking around you, whether you're listening to it on TV or on the radio or you're listening to it in person with a person, to filter out what they're saying. And Mark 4, 24 says, take heed to what you hear. In other words, be careful what you listen to and who you listen to. You, we don't, we're not careful enough as to what we listen to, and we aren't careful enough as to what we watch or listen to or who we listen to. And especially now with all the digital and the Facebook and all the stuff going on, we believe everything that comes on it. And we, and we just take it for granted if it's on TV or if it's on the radio or in the newspaper. It's true. But we have to be more careful. You know, in other words, what you listen to goes inside of you and who, listen, and, and, uh, and who you listen to is going to influence you. I know when I was fighting my battle the last couple of weeks, I had to be extremely careful as to who I talked to and who I listened to, and I had to keep my mouth shut. You don't talk about it. You keep your mouth shut. You pray, you receive, and then you continue to thank Him until it shows up, and it will show up. It will show up, praise God. My point is this, you know, we know that faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word in the same way that deception, deception comes. Deception comes the same way, it's by hearing and hearing of the word. My point is this, you will talk what you hear the most of. That's why in order to build your faith, you must hear the word for faith comes by hearing. You are going to talk what you hear the most of. If you're around somebody that speaks negative all the time, and poverty all the time, or sickness all the time, there, I mean, people, I know that people have trouble find, in finances. I, I mean, I've been there. And I know people have trouble with physical illnesses. I've been there. But we don't have to make it our conversation. Every time we meet somebody or every time we talk to somebody on the phone, that doesn't have to be the only thing that you know to talk about. Because what they don't understand is that the more you're talking about it, the worse it's going to get. It won't get better until you shut up. James 1.26 says, If a person thinks that he is religious but can't control his tongue, he's fooling himself. That person's religious is worthless. You know, the Bible says that. 
He is saying if you don't watch your mouth, all of it is in vain. He says it's useless. You know, God created this whole world with his words, and you're also, and you also are creating with your words whether you realize it or not. Every time you speak a word, you're creating something. Something. No matter how small it is, you are creating with your mouth. God created it, like I said, the world with words, and that's what you're doing. Saints, God works with your words. He is the high priest and apostle over what you say. Don't forget that. According to Hebrews 3.1 tells us that Jesus is the high priest of our confession. That means that Jesus pleads our case on our behalf. But Jesus uses our own conversation. I want you to hear this. Jesus uses your own conversation, what you're saying, to present your case. So if you don't speak the right words, you will not get much. He's not going to have very much to work with, in other words. If you want God to work on your side, you've got to give him something to work with. You've got to stop feeding the enemy and start giving God something to work with. It's not his fault that we're where we are. It's not his fault at all. It's our fault because we keep agreeing with the enemy and not agreeing with what God tells us to agree with. And until we do take it more seriously and understand that our mouths are, are is used for more than making conversation. Our words are more than for making conversation and for communicating with. Our mouth is used, God uses our mouths and our words to create. But unless we give him something to create with, he's not going, he can't do it. He's not going to force it out of you. He's waiting on you and waiting on me to give him something to work with. And then once we give it to him, we've got to stick to it. We can't be wishy-washy. We've got to stick to what he gives us. Are you hearing me? But did you know, as a matter of fact, why don't you say this after me? Jesus Presents me in heaven. I mean, I'm sorry. Let's say this again. Jesus represents me in heaven based on what I say. And that's the truth. Jesus represents us, me and you, in heaven based on what comes out of our mouths. So if you're not getting what you'd like to have, then maybe you need to think about what you've been saying. What have you been giving him to work with? Have you been giving him anything to work with? It's the enemy. And then another thing that I had written down here is have you given any thought as to who else works with your words? It's the enemy of your soul. Satan. And believe me, saints, anything that you say can and will be held against you. Because anything that you say, he will hold it against you. We need to get a revelation tonight that our words are not just for communicating with and just for carrying on a conversation with. Like I said, we were created speaking spirits, created in our Father's image, and we can use our words for more than communication, as I just said. We can use our words to change things. If you don't like the way your life is going, you can change it. According to Revelations 5:10 in God's Word translation, uh, he says that he made them a kingdom and a priest for our God, and they will rule as kings on this earth. Hallelujah. He is saying that we were made to be kings and priests on this earth. We were not created to be beggars. We were created to be kings and priests. 
Brothers and sisters, what does a king do? Think about that. A king gives orders. He uses his words to command. If he wants a ditch dug, he don't go dig, dig the ditch. He says, ditch get dug. He has somebody to do it for him. He doesn't do it. He doesn't do it for him. He uses, he uses his words to change things. He does not beg or plead. You don't see a, you know, whether you know it's a king or a president or whatever, you don't see them begging and pleading for anything. You see them giving orders. The Bible says that we've been made kings and priests. And as a king and a priest, we are made not to beg, but we are to give orders. And when we do this, we do this with our mouth, with the words that we speak. We could do this by commanding the devil to take his hands off of our stuff and to take his hands off of our bodies. You, you can create whatever you're desiring. If it's a new home or a new job or whatever it is, you can find the scriptures in the Bible that lines up with that, and you can begin to speak it, write it down, begin to speak it and confess it, and create what you want. Everything I have, I have done it through the Word of God by creating what I wanted. Do you hear me? Think about it. Does it matter what you say? How much does it matter what you say or what you talk about? Proverbs 18.21 says it's a matter of life and death. But you know, I don't think we take a lot of the scriptures as serious as we should. As a matter of fact, we should take everything God says serious from Genesis to Revelation. In other words, whatever you love to talk about, that's what you're going to have. You're going to eat the fruit of your lips, as I said before. I didn't say that. God said that. You talk death, you're going to have death. You talk broke, lack, and poor, and that's what you're going to get. God does not want you living on barely get along street. He wants you to live a life of abundance. You know, it, he says in John 10, 10, says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Saints, did you know that you can pray a great prayer and in 30 minutes later, undo it with your mouth? I've been guilty of this very thing. I've counseled out my own prayers before. And how many of you in here this evening would like to see things turn around for you? Would you like to see your ship turn around? But he says as in James 3, in the God Word translation, says all of us make a lot of mistakes. If someone doesn't make any mistakes when he speaks, he would be perfect. And when he's talking about perfect here, he's not meaning that you are perfect. Perfect in this, in this case is saying that somebody that's mature, somebody that's grown, mature in the word. Not, not, not perfect, but mature. He would be able to control everything he does. Now think about that. He said, if you were to do this, you could control everything that you do. Control. Wouldn't it, isn't that awesome to know that you can actually control everything? But you can. We aren't doing it. I'm not either. But I'm doing it better than I was. <laughs> you know, I'm learning. You know, and the more I learn, the more I'm able uh, to do. In verse 3 says, We put bits in the mouths of the horses to make them obey us. 
and we have control, and they have control over everything they do. Just by, and I'm a farmer's daughter, and I'm very well, very well aware of the fact that when you had the uh, bit in a horse's mouth, that you control that ho control that horse, whatever he did, every which direction you wanted him to go in, you did it with the bit that was in his mouth. The same thing is true, he says, for ships. He says they are very big and are driven by strong winds, yet by using small rudders, pilots steer ships wherever they want them to go. Think about that. In verse 5 it says, In the same way the tongue is a small part of the body, but it can brag about doing important things. As a matter of fact, it says a large fire can be set on fire by a little flame. And I, that, that's another sermon I'm not going to preach tonight, but it only takes about one word of gossip to set a whole forest fire on fire. It only takes one word to destroy a marriage, one word to destroy relationships, one word to destroy your job. It only takes one. He said just a small one. That's all it takes. And let's think about it this way. You know, in, in the book of James, it, it refers to a ship. And, and uh, it, it refers to the bit in the horse's mouth. And also it refers to the rudder on a ship. Tonight, I wanted to talk to you about and uh, make it a little bit more uh, understandable. Instead of using being the ship, I want to use a steering wheel. I want you to think about it in more modern terms. You know, in other words, let's say your tongue is to your life like a steering wheel. And I wanted to use this to make a point because I want you to recognize and see that you really are the one that's in charge of your life. And you can make the difference if you want to, but it's up to you. So let's say that your tongue is, is, like, is to your life like a steering wheel. Is, in your, is, is to your car. In other words, let's say that you have a hold of this steering wheel and you don't like, say you've got a hold of this steering wheel and you don't like the direction in which you're going. You're sitting here and you're driving this, steer, you're dri driving this car down the highway you go and all of a sudden you realize you don't like the direction that you're going in. What do you do? You turn. You turn your wheel and you turn around, or you turn and go in the direction that you want to go, right? You know, it says, what do you do? Can you turn the wheel? Well, the same is true with your life. If you don't like the direction your life is going in, change the way you talk. It's like the rudder on the ship in the book of James. You know, the captain can just turn the wheel. He is the one that's in charge. You are in charge of your life, too. The captain is in charge of that ship. Any way he turns that wheel, the rudder is going to go. And, and the same thing with your mouth. Whatever you say, whatever your tongue does, your tongue is like the rudder on that ship. And it's going to go in the direction that you turn it. And if you don't like the direction and, way, and the way that your life is going, what you need to do is turn it and go in the other direction. Are you hearing me? And you can change it just by changing the way you talk. For you're the one that's calling those things that be not as though they are. You're the ones that are speaking those things into your life. If you're sick, you can get sicker. If you're poor, you can get more poor. You can get to the point where you don't have enough to pay attention. You know, I've been there. 
I didn't like it. You know, I just took my wheel and turned it around. I didn't like the way my life was going. And some of you in here tonight don't like the way your life's going, but you don't think you have any control over it. But you do. It might take you a little while to get there. But if you'll pretend like your tongue is this wheel and you'll turn it in a different direction, you will get there. I promise you, you will get there because your tongue is the only thing that's holding you back. But until you change, until you decide which direction you really want to go in, if you still want to keep on going, if you keep on, keep on going this way, you go right on. You work all the jobs you want to work. But if you keep on talking poverty, and you keep on talking lack, and you keep on talking death, and you keep on talking sickness, you ain't, that's all you're going to get. But if you'll change, if you'll change, I decided to change. And it made all the difference in my life. I made that change that day in Hampton, Virginia, when I gave my life to God. When I gave my life to Jesus. And he began to teach me the importance of the words coming out of my mouth. Did I get it right away? No. Have I fully learned it by now? No. But am I learning it more every day? Yes. You know why? Because I listen. Every day, I don't miss a day that I don't listen to the Word or that I don't read the Word. I hear the Word. Every night I go to bed listening to it. Get up in the mornings listening to it. You don't have to do everything that I do. But you have to make an investment and the one to make an investment in is Jesus Christ. Amen. He is the only one that can help you. Can only one that can get you out of it. You know, I was going to save this for tomorrow, but I want to tell you that for the last two weeks, I've been experiencing um, this thing in my ear, in my right ear. Uh, actually, before that, uh, a few weeks prior to that, I experienced something with the right part of my face and David called the rescue and took me to the hospital and he had been in there a week before that and a week later I was there and um, but I want you to know that you're never there alone David and I prayed before we left before the rescue people got there we prayed and it hit me just like that I went out into my garage to get a bottle of water and when I got back in my kitchen which was Two steps, it hit me, you know. And we sat down and we began to pray. And we prayed and didn't know what to pray. What does the Bible tell you to do when you don't know what to pray? Ask the Holy Spirit. He knows everything. He'll intercede for you. And so we and he and I began to pray in the Spirit. And then they came and got me and they took me. And I was there just overnight. I was there all day and, and night and next day. But I came out healthy. Not a thing wrong. Not a thing. Not a thing. Everything, every, every, all, all tests, everything was perfect. But then a week and a half, two ago, all of a sudden this thing in my ear started bothering me. And saying it bothered me to the point I thought I was losing my mind. It was affecting my thinking. It was affecting my mind because there were different noises coming out of this ear. There's different sounds. 
I know you've heard of ringing of the ears and they have a name for it, but I think this is a little more than that. I think it was, a, it was an attack. It was a spiritual attack on me. So it was more than that, because one time it'd be one sound, then the next, to turn my head a certain way, it would be worse, it'd be a different sound, lift my hand up, be a different sound, and, and it would continue to get worse. And I prayed over it, pastor prayed over it, and I went on, and the last few days, last week, the end of last week, last weekend, it was getting more regular. It got to the point for the last two days, it was steady. It didn't stop. It just steady in my, in my ear. And to the point to where all I wanted to do was just cry, but I kept praying. And I would take, I took sleep pills to go to sleep. I would plug in like I normally do to, I'd listen to the scriptures. Uh, and take the sleep pills, I go to sleep, I took a pain pill, took everything I could, I'm trying to do my best to stop it. And so I'd go over to my guest house in my studio and I, and I would pray, I'd turn on my music loud and then I would just walk up and down there and just praying in the spirit, just praying in the spirit and then it would feel a little bit better. And then I had a friend, she, come, she came over, I called a friend, she came over. You know, it's always two is better than one. The Bible says, you know, where two come together to grant upon anything, it shall be. Amen. And so Dave and I prayed, but my friend Natasha and I prayed. And she prayed, uh, she prayed over me, and we came into agreement. And I, 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 I confess the scriptures every day. I talk, talk the word. Uh, but, you know, no matter who you are and how much scripture you know in you, sometimes you can get to the point to where you can't even remember hardly that Jesus loves me can't remember any hardly any scriptures and, and I had reached that point and she was telling me and I knew what I needed to say I'd been saying I'd been praying, and she was saying well Pastor Joe you need to say this that and the other so later on that night I texted her and I said what did you say I should say <laughs> and so she typed it out for me on the text and, and so I put it on all my iPads and I put it on my smartphone and then I typed up uh, typed up the confession, and of course I always added to it, and I put it on my refrigerator, and I put it on my cabinet in my bathroom, and all during the day, all day long, I would confess the word about the noise, you know, um, that the noise coming out of my ears, that I was not moved by any noise coming out of my ear, that I was not moved by how it felt, or, or what, I could, what I thought, or what I could see, or anything like that, I was only moved by the word of God and a few other things right now I can't think of, but I would confess in that. And on the second day, I woke up the next morning, gone. Gone. But I didn't talk to anybody about it. You know, I know David said one time, would you want me to pray? And I said, no. I've already been prayed for. I've all, I'm healed. I'm already healed. It didn't look like I was healed. It didn't feel like I was healed. But God said I was healed. And this is what you need to understand, brothers and sisters. God says you're something. You are that. It doesn't matter what your neighbor says or what your body tells you or your flesh tells you. You are what God tells you. God said I was healed. And I'm healed. I didn't feel healed. I didn't look healed. But I got to the point to do this message, I had to take my phone and put it on low, low worship music, one of the songs, I Worship You. 
and lay it beside of me and let it play softly as I, so I could work on this message. That was before the sound went away. Because I was, I, you, you persevere. Coming up here tonight, I was really nervous because I hadn't been up in a while. And the enemy was trying to tell me that I can't do it. But he would like nothing better than for me to sit down and never preach again. But it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. God has been too good to me. And he's too good to you. And so good to me. And he called me to preach this word. And as long as I got a breath in me, I'm going to be preaching this word. And I'm going to be praying for people and seeing people set free. And my, I know the Lord was showing me today, if there's anybody in this house tonight that needs to be delivered from whatever they need to be delivered from, what kind of sickness, depression, oppression, whatever it is, finance, it doesn't matter with God. With God, it doesn't matter with anything. That if you're willing, He's willing. And He's in this house. And He's with you just as much as He was with me. And i tell you something else that I did too that I think was a turning point. You, I'm not advocating that you don't go to the doctor. I don't advocate that you cancel your doctor's appointment. You only do as the voice tells you. And make sure it's God's voice telling you. Amen. That's the only thing I ask you to do. But I know that I, I got to the point to where I told David, I said, David, I said, I'm, I'm going to have to call the doctor because this is affecting my mind. And he said, well, whatever you think you should do. And so I called the doctor and made the appointment. And I was supposed to have gone last Friday at 1030. But I didn't have peace about it. I've been to the doctor before, and if I need to go, I'll go again. But that time, I didn't have peace about it. The Lord let me know it was a spiritual battle that I was fighting and that the doctors couldn't help me. And so I, and so I called, and I told him, I said, I can't do this. And so I called the doctor, and I told David, I said, I'm going to cancel my appointment. And so I did. I called Dr. Hart, and I canceled my appointment. And, and, and just said, I, I canceled the appointment. I said, Lord, I believe I'm healed, and you are the great physician. Amen. And I said, I trust you. Yes. And I said, whatever it's going to be, it's going to be. I trust you. Yes. And two days later, I was totally well. Two days, later. two days later. Two days later. We've got to take the Lord more seriously. We have been in a time, and, and it, it, I know things look like it's slowing down a little bit, and they are in some areas, but no one knows what the future holds. Only God himself knows what the future holds. But you can start preparing yourself to be able to stand and face whatever the enemy brings your way. You are a lot stronger than you think you are. And you can endure and do a lot more than you think you can. Because I'm not one that I think I can do anything. And I can't. But through God, through Jesus Christ, he says through him I can do all things. And so that's what I'm going to continue to do as long as I'm living. You know, we think about Abraham. You know, uh, how uh, that was one of the things I wanted to say earlier too about the uh, natural standpoint that you think something is dead. You know, sometimes we think something is dead. 
Uh, we might think that's, you know, that it's dead and there's nothing else that we can do in the natural. But what we have to understand, and I wanted to get this in, is it does not matter if it's a dead body or dead organ or dead kidney or dead brain or part of a brain. We serve a God that quickens and makes alive the dead regardless. And this is how he does it. He makes it alive by calling those things that be not as though they were, according to Romans 4.11. He speaks them into being. That's what I was just trying to tell you. Abraham did the same thing that God did and picked it up and started saying the same thing when God changed his name from Abram to Abraham. I know you're all familiar with this, but it says, as the scripture says, I have made you a father of many nations. Abraham believed when he stood in the presence of God who gives life to dead people and calls into existence things that does not exist. When there was nothing left to hope for, Abraham still hoped and believed. How many in here have been in a point sometimes where you didn't think there was anything left to hope for? But you got to keep on. I remember one night... I guess it's, uh, well, one of the nights at the uh, revival that we had, the seven-day revival, tent revival that we had back in April on that um, Wednesday night. The Monday night I was fine, and somebody else preaching Tuesday, and I preached Wednesday. It took everything I had. There was a spirit in there, and I didn't find out about it. I talked to Pastor Rodney about it today, and didn't find out about it until Sunday. But it took everything I had to get up and preach that message on that Wednesday night. And the whole time I was preaching, the devil kept telling me I need to sit down, that I was making a fool out of myself. And when I first came up here tonight, he was saying the same song. He's alive. He's alive. <laughs> I <love> it. <laughs> the same song. He didn't change. He doesn't change. But you know, I love the Lord, and I know you guys love the Lord, and I know that he's given me this word, and I know it's, I know it's blessing you. It's going to help you to understand, maybe you see something a little uh, more than what you could see it before. But it says, when there was nothing left to hope for, Abraham still hoped and he still believed. And as a result of his faith, he became the father of many nations, as he had been told. And that is how many descendants, he says, you will have. It says, Abraham didn't weaken through faith. He regarded the facts. Fact was, he was old, about 100 years old, and Sarah was unable to have children. These were the facts. He didn't doubt God's promise out of lack of faith. He was absolutely confident that God would do what he promised to do. Amen. It says that this was not only written for Abraham, but it was also written for our sakes too. What he's telling you is that he's the same God today as he was with Abraham. He's the same God today, yesterday, and forevermore. He's the same God with you that he was with me. He's the same God with me as he was with Abraham. All I've got to do is keep on believing him and not doubting in my heart, but just keep on believing him. It says in Hebrews 11, 11 says, By faith Sarah, even though she was barren and beyond the proper age, was enabled to conceive a child because she considered him faithful. She considered him faithful who had promised and so from one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. And Hebrews 10.23 says, We must continue to hold firmly to our declarations of faith. The one who made the promise is faithful. Yes. I, cannot express, I cannot express to you strong enough 
you have to know that God, you know, so many people are so concerned about what others think about you, or what they say about you, or you're afraid to do certain things in front of some people. But the only one that you should really be concerned about is God himself. He sees everything you do. He hears everything you say and never forgets it. And when, you, when you're speaking negative and when you're talking poor and broke and sick and all this, it grieves him. As a matter of fact, you know, uh, uh, God told him that, uh, he told, um, I think it was Abraham, he said, you know, just tell the, uh, Moses rather, he said, tell them I've heard what they've said. And he said, I'm gonna give them what they said. You will get what you say. Yeah. And I know that because the Bible says so. Right. The Bible tells me I can have whatsoever I say. Yeah. If I believe it. That's the key right there. You can have whatsoever you say, according to Mark eleven twenty three. You can have whatsoever you say, if you believe it in your heart and confess it with your mouth. But you've got to believe it in your heart. Yeah. And you are going to get tested. I believe I was being tested. And I, I might, I'm probably still being tested. I don't know. But I do know that I'm going to persevere. Amen. Until the day Jesus comes or I go home. Yes. Hallelujah. I want you to keep in mind that Satan doesn't want you to move. He doesn't want you to grow. He doesn't want you to be blessed and to prosper. He doesn't want you to be healthy. What is so sad is that most people blame God for all of it. A lot of people blame God for their troubles. Satan wants, to blame, wants you to blame God for your lack of finances. He wants you to blame God for your lack of healing or your health. And God, all he wants is for you to be in good health and to prosper in all your ways. The Bible says, even as your soul prospers. I know that every time the Lord is about to bring increase to me or move me to another level, Satan and his demons work overtime, filling me with hurt or something or causing me to get into strife or putting some kind of sickness on my body or to get me to feeling sorry for myself to get into self-pity. I'm sure you've been there. I ain't got time to preach all the things that he's been putting on me in the last couple of months. Not only with my physical self, but with my husband, uh, with my children and with my grandchildren. He's doing everything in his power to distract me and to keep me down. But I got news for him. He's a liar. And ain't no devil in hell going to prevail against his church because he said so. No devil in hell. No devil in hell. I'm the overcomer here. If Jesus defeated the devil, then who are we battling? Jesus says he defeated him and he led captivity astray. So if he defeated him, then I don't need to be fighting the battles. I just need to be having faith in the one that defeated him. Hallelujah. Why do you think he's always working to get you to come into agreement with him? Speaking words that will destroy you. Remember what I just said earlier, what it says in Job chapter 12, verse 11. In the Amplified Bible, it says, Is it not the task of the ear to discriminate between wise and unwise, 
words just as the mouth distinguishes between desirable and undesirable food. Some is true, same is true about bringing those undesirable thoughts into captivity. As it tells us in 2 Corinthians, bring every thought into captivity that exalts itself against the true knowledge of God. You have to stay on your guard at all times. Saints, the devil is always looking for a crack in your armor so that he can get in. And when he gets in, he can bring sickness on you or he will interfere with your finances or with your family. Anything that he can do to destroy you or to wipe you out. You have to be on your guard at all times. You can't just be passive and let him in. You just can't sit there and, and you can't be passive. That's right. You can't just sit there and let him take your life and do what he wants to with it when all you've got to do is open up your mouth and put a stop to him. You know, the Bible tells us in James, I think it's in James, where he said, submit yourself to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. And as a matter of fact, he says he will run in terror from you. So he's really afraid of you. He don't want me to stand up here and testify to you. He don't want me to stand up here and tell you how God made me the overcomer and how he was trying to take me down, but I overcame him. He don't want me to do that. And he'll do everything he can to stop me. But he'll do everything he can to stop you too. You guys out here, you've got dreams. And you have goals. It doesn't have anything to do with your age. Whether you're young or old, we all have our dreams. And we all have our goals. And you can accomplish every one of them. If you put your trust into one. That's going to make it happen. You can't do it on your own. And you don't know way you're going to do that is by listening to that still small voice and knowing that greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world and that you can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens you. Father God, I thank you so much. I thank you for this word tonight. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for giving me utterance. I thank you, God, for giving me strength. I thank you, Father, that you said, let the weak say they're strong. So, Lord, we all declare in here tonight that we're strong in you, Lord. You didn't tell us to be strong in ourselves. You told us to be strong in you. So I declare tonight, Lord, that we're all strong in you. And we put our trust in you. And we put our faith in you. And Father, I speak blessings over each and every one in here tonight. And declare that we truly are more than overcomers. That you have made us the head and not the tail. That you have made us above and not beneath. And that we will not give up. We will never cease to fight. And we will continue to stand when we have done all that we can do. We will continue to stand and we will continue to put our trust in you. Knowing that no devil in hell will prevail against your church. And Father, we thank you for this word. I thank you for all those that received it in faith, Lord. And I thank you for all those that are going to receive their miracle. In the name of Jesus, we give you all the praise and all the glory. Amen.